Listeners be advised. The Holiloquy podcast discuss matters related to the human experience and many that are sexual in nature. Due to this, some conversations may surround triggering topics such as sexual violence, self-harm, abuse, and much more. Please be advised, a list of crisis and psychological resources will be available in the show notes of this episode. With that said, let's get started with the show. Ladies and gentlemen, may I have your attention please as we go through the following safety instructions. In the event that there is a loss of cabin pressure, oxygen mask will drop from the overhead. Place the mask over your nose and mouth. Breathe normally as oxygen is flowing even if the mask does not Hello, 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 everyone. Welcome to the Holiloquy Podcast, where we step out and speak on sexuality. This is your favorite host, Vernon T. Scott, also known as Slater Jackson, and for you freaking motherfuckers out there, Sebastian Adams. It is the first episode of November, so anybody who's new to that concept, go back until last year to figure out what I've talked about. I still explain. So November is all about sexual freedom. It's all about learning new things about sexuality, essentially what you learn on the podcast in general, but we just focus on all the positive things, good light conversations, and just having fun and enjoying the people that's here. It's also kind of like a family reunion too. So there's going to be um, voices that you've heard um, early on in the season, some more recent. It's all about, you know, coming back, enjoying the end of the year, and just enjoying life. That's what November is all about. It's greatness, it's sexual health, sexual wellness, sexual freedom. Um, you know, today is actually Friday on the day that we're recording this. And for Fridays, for those who don't know this, it's always free titty Friday. So if you're not planning on lifting the shirt, showing off the titties, if you're not trying to free the girls and free the guys, free the things that's on your chest, the nipples, free the nipples. Nipples is not a bad word. If you out here trying to free the nips, do so. Let them out. Let them hang. Let them be free. Even if it's on a Wednesday, because I, if I'm not mistaken, this episode is releasing on a Wednesday. It's still a free, a free titty Friday. So what you doing? I know after I'm done recording today, the shirt is coming off. I'm going to enjoy my weekend with the titties out because I'm grown, okay? And so are you. Thank you for the PSA. But with me today, I have... <laughs> Don't judge me. <laughs> I, um, um, oh, okay. So uh, I have Melissa with me and we will have Nini joining soon. Y'all may not know who Nini is yet. Uh, for those who don't know, when it comes to the whole member and the coming together as a family and doing this reunion, those who have completed like intake meetings and uh, we've already had a conversation and they're planning on coming onto the show, then um, they're always invited to November activities. So some of the voices you haven't heard yet, but you will hear them. So subscribe today so you can hear those conversations too. But until Nini comes here, we'll still have this conversation. But Melissa is here. Melissa's from the Talkative Introvert. If you don't know the voice, if you don't know the person, where have you been? Okay. <laughs> 
like she introduced me to Kylo Ren. Okay, like we oh, had a yeah. whole conversation about how sexy Master Chief's voice is, and also those helmets. And we also had other conversations about sex trafficking in um, California. That's episodes from last year. Just catch up, people. If you don't know Melissa, where have you been? If you don't know the podcast, the talk talkative introvert, where have you been? But other than that, Melissa, how are you doing? Hi, I'm good. You know what? You brought up Master Chief. My husband and I started playing hate. Well, he's already played it, but I started playing it and I was like, oh, love it. <laughs> love it. <laughs> right. right. Oh, just uh, just sculpted so very well. Mm-mm-mm. Oh, let me not go back into that conversation. Uh, if you don't know what I'm talking about, that episode released like earlier this year. I think that was May or yes. was it April? It was some month. It was some month of 2023. (laughs) (laughs) So, Melissa, who are you? What's the great things about you? Oh, geez. I'm just a normal person. (laughs) No, I am. uh... I don't know. What is normal anymore? No, I, like you said, host of the Talkative Introvert podcast, where we pretty much talk about anything and everything uh you know my pockets kind of turned quite a bit it used to be just about introverts but now it's like that subject's a little boring <laughs> oh, <no>. <laughs> <laughs> so much you could talk about introverts i mean it's still you know a big part of who i am as a person i'm very very introverted but i also just love to talk hence the name so it's just subjects about anything and everything so if you guys are interested definitely check it out vernon was on there um i still need to get you on for this season hey you know i'm here so busy so busy (laughs) the podcast in life when you also have another job is it's hard i don't know how you do it you're like on top of it you're spinning out episodes episodes like nothing I will say a lot of that is because I have to do the double up on these recordings because if not, I will be underwater. Uh, I told myself when I first started, oh, look, Nini's here. Uh, I told, (laughs) hold up, uh, she's coming in. But while she's coming in, yeah, I told myself that what I want to do to keep myself from like stressing out too much is to be as proactive as possible um, because I know that life tends to happen with me and when life happens life happens so I do my best to mitigate that by um doing things a lot early most definitely if it's something I'm passionate about and if I have control over the scheduling I just knock it out because otherwise I will be in my bed crying why can I not get things right and I don't like to be that depressed. <laughs> so... <laughs> no, not at all. <laughs> not at all. Um, Nini, hey. Hey, I'm so sorry. My internet started to go crazy and I'm like, no. <laughs> <laughs> well, just to let you know, we are uh, in the midst of recording already, but you're good. Oh, We're still I'm at so the beginning. Sorry. We are okay. at the beginning, girl. We're at okay. the beginning. I already <laughs> gave a brief introduction about who you are and when they'll start hearing your voice on season season three because bitches it will be a season three season four is still questionable y'all i made an announcement (laughs) about what season four gonna look like but y'all i got a lot 
of transitions going on. But you will still love season four whenever I get around to that. But right. Nini, we're just doing some intros. Uh, as you can see, this is Melissa, the host of the Talk to Introvert. We love her. She's greatness. Hey, oh. nice to meet you. Hi, nice to meet you. <laughs> so Nini, since we're doing intros, who the fuck are you? Yes. <laughs> well, okay, well, hey, I'm Nini, um, aka the spiritual strategist. Um, I am a digital marketing specialist um who's um specializes of course in digital marketing, but I put a little twist to it. Um, so I take spirituality and um mix it with marketing because if you notice a lot of things, uh, when it comes to marketing, it's all about your journey, the buyer's journey, and companies taking the that specific journey with you in the buying process. And so with me, it's kind of the same thing, except for like I'm selling kind of like life lessons and, you know, stuff about the universe and things that, you know, people may think, eh, she's a little crazy, but you know. <laughs> No, you're not crazy. <laughs> Plus, I actually, I accept all crazies because, look, they be knowing a lot more shit than I be knowing. So teach me the crazies. Right. I feel you. <laughs> and I have a little one, Araya. She's five, going on 23. I'm done. <laughs> I love that. And is. And I love that you mentioned that because that kind of brings us into the conversation of what today is all about, which is related to parenting. And you already know mm -hmm. Vernon over here is not trying to raise anybody's kids at night on <laughs> own at this point in my life. Mm -hmm. I might be interested in doing the parenting route in about two, three years. We'll see how that looks because, yeah. But mm -hmm. um, we, um, we will be talking about parenting and you are like the best source of some of the conversation here because I know Melissa currently does not have any children. I, if I remember mm -hmm. correctly, not trying to push one of those little motherfuckers out. Yeah. No, thank you. <laughs> so so I, I feel as though your perspective will be much needed for the audience, most definitely in terms of being a sexual parent, because for me, uh, I, I feel like many people uh, of today's age will be a, a lot more healed and comfortable mm -hmm. with having those conversations about sex if they experience a healthy sexuality within their own homes mm -hmm. uh, from what their parents portrayed rather than being so reserved or very mm -hmm. tight-knit. Not saying parents should be out here fucking in front of their kids because if that's happening, we need to have another conversation. Right! Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm calling the law. <laughs> but in terms of um, playfully playing with each other in a sexual way, that can be pecks on the cheek, um, maybe even an ass slap from here and there. And mm -hmm. having those conversations of like consent within parenting spaces. Uh, like, mm -hmm. oh, you're looking cute today. Can I give you a kiss or something like that um, mm -hmm. to show that you can still ask for something that you want for some um with somebody that you've been with for such a long time what's mm -hmm. your take on that and of course melissa as um the parent of the non-parents around well you are dog parents mm -hmm. so you're closer to parenting than i yeah, am sure. so. <laughs> <laughs> a <little> controversial. <laughs> so what's y'all's perspective on just uh having that space of sexual freedom while parenting um i will say it's difficult 
And in the beginning, it's really hard to navigate. Um, I think it's easier for people when they have like multiple kids and they kind of know like, all right, you know, we can go do the do. Um, but I will say for us in the beginning, it was super hard um, um, because number one, um, our old house, you know, our landlord wasn't doing what he was supposed to. So we had a situation where we had to move Araya in our room because her room, you know, had mold and stuff and she was a baby. Um, so I will say like for the first like two or three years of her life, like she kind of got used to staying with us. So it was definitely one of those situations where once we moved, we snuck off into our own little room. <laughs> <laughs> when she was asleep, like, all right, she's asleep, let's go. <laughs> um, and as far as like showing affection now, I think because we're we're a very much an affectionate household, like we, you know, give Araya kisses and stuff. And now she'll be like, ew, smoochy kisses, but she understands that it's nothing like, you know, it's just like, you know, showing love to each other and stuff like that. Um, she's a little girl, so of course, you know, she thinks everybody and kisses and stuff is gross, but she doesn't mind like when we give it, you know, give her her kisses and stuff. Um, so I really think it's just parenting dynamics and like, you know, how you express your love and stuff like that, um, even around your kids. Um, I will say, like, again, like, having sex initially when you have your kid, especially your first child, it's navigating. It's like, oh, it's not because, like, you know, there will be times you're in the middle of it and then they wake up <laughs> or they come knocking on the door and you're just like, ah, go away. Um, um, so in those cases, like, you know, and now we're in the mode of she's five. So now, like, if we need our alone time or whatever, or we have to, you know, bring her to a babysitter, we're like, you know, we're not going to be gone for long. You know, mommy and daddy just need their time and stuff like that. And she's been begging for a little brother. So we're like, you know, <laughs> <laughs> we got to we gotta get it in if you want one. <laughs> Give us the opportunity to make this happen. <laughs> mommy exactly. and daddy got to make a, a call, okay? We'll be right. back in like two hours or so. Right? <laughs> right. Go to your auntie's house. You know, we'll be back for you. <laughs> I'm done. I love that though. So have have y'all ever like just been like, here's go to the babysitter or to a family member just so that y'all can engage in sex? Or absolutely. That, I support. <laughs> I support. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And I think it's really just I think it goes back to your relationship as well, realizing like, okay, we have kids, but you know we're still needing our time as you know husband wife fiance boyfriend girlfriend like whatever the situation is um that time is equally important you know because if we're not functioning then it's gonna display to the kids and then you know a, a, a cycle you know emerges so i feel like if we're still taking the, that time to be like, you know, go to the babysitter, you know, and taking that time together, like it's important. And, you know, you have to let your kids know, like, especially when they get to the age of comprehension, um, 
you know, letting them know like, hey, you know, we just need some time to make, you know, for us to have some fun grown up time. Mm-hmm. And I would say, at least for myself, uh, <clears throat> hindsight wise, I don't know what my mom and step that sexual relationship was like and I don't care to know but <laughs> I kind of wish that they forced myself and my brother to be outside of the house a lot more mm-hmm. um when even when we we're a little bit younger like elementary school age so that they can have a lot more alone time rather than like of course I always want to get outside of the house I don't mind going to my auntie's house because look that's where the games are that's where the parties are and that's also where I don't have to worry about cleaning up anybody's mess so of right. course let me go to these places <laughs> like right. just listen to you say how you just literally was like all right here go to the um, babysitter and y'all getting it on I'm like that could have been something that I would have been okay with (laughs) (laughs) what about you Melissa (laughs) no I totally agree like when when you said that I was like yeah they need their time alone they need because I have like multiple nieces and nephews and they need constant attention Mm -hmm. like constant attention and you know kids like I don't I know I don't have my own kids but like as a formal child, a formal child you know like I remember when my parents like would argue or when they're not seeing eye to eye to things like we're you know kids are very observant mm-hmm. they see what's going on they know when their parents are not getting along or they're fighting or what have you and so having that time where you can just you know unwind and have like your special alone time together I think that's super important for mm-hmm. sure So um, I've been seeing a lot of things out about positive parenting and whatnot, and just those different formulas for parents to take to make sure that their child is bright as well as respectful in society and all those great things. Are there any particular formulas that you use for yourself, um, uh, Nini, or uh, any parenting resources that you are aware of that can help people who are earlier on in their journey to start? Uh, figuring out who they are as parents versus who they were without the child because there's a huge difference that a lot of people don't step into and it annoys me (laughs) (laughs) because I'm like look that's like what people be like you cannot be doing wifely or husband duties for somebody that's your boyfriend girlfriend I get that the -hmm. same thing you can't be doing single shit when you're a whole ass parent right so uh, are there any resources that you know of or any formulas that has helped you in the past um, that other new parents might need? Um, I, I, I don't look anything up. I'm not going to hold what well, I do sometimes when like I find that Araya is doing something that I'm like, oh, is that normal? But I'm, <laughs> I'm not typically the type of parent that looks things up. Um, I feel like my parenting style is very much based off of how I was raised Mm -hmm. and the things that I don't want for my kids. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I've come from a very abusive background, um, parenting wise. And, um, there was just some things that was like, when it comes to manners and everything like that, um, that was an issue, um, naturally we kind of just told her I like you know now we don't say hey tell her to get, say yes ma'am or no ma'am because I wasn't raised like that we were raised in the north and not the south <laughs> that was foreign to me when I moved here and I was like yes ma'am huh 
I just said yes, and I thought that was okay. <laughs> um, but it's more of like when I see it, then I address it, and I'll like I'm not one of those. I'm not a helicopter parent, but I'm not one of those like, oh, don't do that again. Like one of those that'll get overly like hyped. Like I'll just sit and tell her like, you know, don't do that. I'll explain to her like why she's wrong or like her dad will explain it to her. Um, I'm not the disciplinary, disciplinary. (laughs) I'm just gonna let you know that now. Brendan is more. Um, I just simply like talk to her, right? It's not really like a bad child she just has a lot of energy which i guess i expect for a five-year-old mm-hmm. um so it's more of a when i see it then we'll address it and you know make sure that she understands what she's doing wrong or like if there's something like teaching her like how to sit down in dresses and stuff or different things like that you know it's just talking to her and if she has questions like you know either i'll ask answer it or you know her dad will but I just kind of just go off of how I was raised and what I would do and what I wouldn't do again Mm. Um, I feel like it's so difficult you know like there's there's just so many things out there and like you know one article say like do this but then an article's like this is why you shouldn't do this right (laughs) so like what are you supposed to do right (laughs) and it's just like when you do look at those things, it's like your child might fit in some of those categories, but then it's just like, I I know my child doesn't do that or that, you know? So, and I think that's why I also don't really look it up, you know, for those types of things. Cause it's like, I think they're just going off of a generalized consensus, I guess, of what they feel like should be going on in the household versus what is actually going on in the household and kids do different things and there's different reasonings on why they you know act out or what's really going on from either like something that might be going on mentally physically or even bad behavior stemming from parents who may not even know that they're exhibiting these behaviors for their kids to pick up on you know that's um, for myself, when I think about me as a future parent, I think of myself as um, more so focusing directly on who this child is, learning mm-hmm. who they are, appreciating who they are, and just catering my approach directly to that child in particular, even if I do have mm-hmm. more than one, just trying to maneuver, like, yes, a lot on the brain to try to, you know, manage everything and treat everybody differently. But I also think that if I can do that in multi- having multiple friendships, I feel like I can do that when it comes to a child. Mm-hmm. Um, granted, the child, their personality will change throughout the years and Mm -hmm. I have to adjust to that but at the same time when it comes to child rearing I feel as though it would be a lot simpler rather than trying to like yeah having healthy conversations is always good because that's a Mm -hmm. a skill that will help them in the future Um, because we have to communicate with people regardless of what we're doing so like I do want to instill in my child like hey this is how you have this conversation about when something's bothering you when you're hurt or anything like that Mm -hmm. um versus always having to yell at the child right Um, but I think outside of that when it comes to the different approaches I just think that a lot of the formulas that they try to put out there 
there mm-hmm. there's no evidence to say that they really work honestly right. they're just like oh this is the suggestion and then three years 10 years from now you realize oh wait no that's like with the um thing about oh we need to make sure that everybody's a winner and now we have mm-hmm. a generation of people who really does not understand how beneficial it is to lose like- listen <laughs> and that's what me and brendan was talking about because i play softball and um even though she plays <coughs> excuse me with the four to seven year olds i think that's the age group mm-hmm. it's not we're thinking it's competitive and it's not competitive whatsoever like mm-hmm. even at their young age they get the notion of competitiveness they want to win and stuff like that but it's not and now it's like not saying that it's not okay you know to lose and stuff like that but like i also feel like you need to teach your children both and they're not really teaching them at their age winning or losing they know it but they're not really teaching them or helping them understand exactly what it is and what it is to be a team player and what it is to like go through oh we just lost you know that Mm -hmm. type of thing yeah, because it's really unrealistic, right? Not everyone gets a trophy. Not right. everyone, you know, scores the job that they want. So it's kind of a bit of a disservice to the kids to give everyone a, you know, a trophy or a gold star. Right. Mm-hmm. Like I get the mindset of you just want people to have fun. Yes, then have a league that's just about the fun. Don't call it mm-hmm. a league at that. Say, hey, we're going mm-hmm. to the park to play kickball and we're going to enjoy. We're just going to kick the ball as many times as we want. We're going to run around. If you're out, you're out. And we just going to keep doing this until everybody gets tired. That's great. Right. That's fun. That's amazing. But if you have um, people, well, most definitely young kids in something that they feel as though that they're going to be competing in, and they're going to engage in that. They're going to want to know, did I win? Because let's be real, kids are exposed to games where they can mm-hmm. lose. They have mm-hmm. um, they play a lot of little games on the phone where, right. oh, if you mess up, strike out or you, yeah, you'll lose. So they understand mm-hmm. the concept of losing. So right. in most definitely they can count. <laughs> so. Right. <laughs> and let me tell you, I am not paying all this money for you to get a participation trophy for everybody to get a participation trophy. That's cute and dandy, but I'm paying you money so you can win something. Okay, we talking scholarship, everything. You better give them a little necklace that said, thank you for trying and just keep it moving. If everybody (laughs) needs to get something, there you go, get a little certificate and we'll walk away with our trophies. Thank you so much. It was great playing with you. You broke bitches. Like, (laughs) thank you. (laughs) What are we doing? (laughs) (laughs) what we're not going to do is that so Uh, uh -uh. but anyways um another thing because we are in an age where and i'm sorry i'm sipping on my drink a little bit earlier than i'm supposed to be Um, (laughs) (laughs) but um we live in an environment where there are a lot of um, people who have issues with having those conversations about sexuality with their children. And mm-hmm. um, some people, I get the discomfort. Some people have are unable to have those conversations, but 
based off of some experiences that they had in their past. So talking about sex is traumatizing, triggering, or what have you. I get that for those individuals, but for those who just don't want to talk about sex because I don't know, or they feel as though um, their child is not going to be this type of child, what advice or what kind of resources, if you know any, um, do you have for those parents? Uh, and Melissa, you can even step in on this one too, but um, what uh, what do you think can uh, encourage parents to just expose themselves to different um, understandings of sexuality or uh, different resources that they can look into so that they can understand like, hey, just because my child um, is uncomfortable in their skin, I can still love them. I can understand what it means to be trans you know all those things mm-hmm. well they can listen to your podcast i love that yes that's the only answer <laughs> ah. that is a good question um and again, I never had to talk with my mom um, because she was scary. Um, <laughs> I That was one of those topics where it was just like, don't get pregnant or I'm gonna kill you. And I'm just like, mm-hmm. okay. <laughs> um, yes, not that, doing that. <laughs> right, so it was kind of like, I just got everything from school. Um, my mom didn't talk about it. Like, I know when my sister asked for birth control, I left the kitchen because I just, <laughs> no, I wasn't ready. Like, and then I know how my mom was with me versus how she was with my sister. So like, after she said yes to my sister, I knew that like, just don't like, it was just gonna be bad. So I was just like, let me leave. Um, however, speaking um, with Brendan on topics of sexuality, especially with um, the younger generations coming out and you know expressing they feel like they're not in you know a male body or a female body, especially at a young age, um, we've kind of just if we're kind of just like right now, Arias in this stage where it's kind of like she's okay she she knows like you know she hasn't came come to us with anything out of the normal or anything like that i feel like when she gets older now we're just making it making sure that she's comfortable with talking to us about anything in general Mm. um letting her know like yes we're your parents but don't hesitate to come to us when it comes to like if you get in trouble or you know, if something happens in school or, you know, even if we make you upset, like, you know, come and tell us, come and talk to us so we know and we can correct the problem. So we're kind of shaping that foundation now. So that way when she does get older and these questions do come up, it's not like, oh, I can't talk to my mom or my dad about it. Like, you know, come sit down. Even if we do get mad at the end of the conversation, like now, if she does get in trouble, we'll give her a hug and be like, you know, we still love you and stuff like that. Like just making sure that she knows that, you know, no topic is not off, you know, we we won't explore every topic. Um, even if she brings up something now um, and we're not ready, we do let her know, like, you're not ready for this conversation now because we know like you can't comprehend everything, 
But when you get older, then we'll, you know, re-explore the, the conversation. Mm, I think that's that. awesome. Mm. Agreed. That is a beautiful thing. Like, honestly, just from hearing that, I can tell she's going to grow up to be an uh, advocate for herself. Um, mm. Because uh, when you have that freedom to not necessarily like yell at your parents, but uh, comment on how you feel about how something that they said make you feel, and mm. that is respected and understood, it, it reinforces that idea that I can speak up for myself, that I can advocate for myself, and mm. I can. Um, um, just have these conversations with people uh, regardless of where they you know feel and she also understand will understand you know the concept of healthy dialogue so right. if someone goes above and beyond or on a lesser vibration than that she can understand okay well clearly we cannot have this conversation because this is right. not how it goes with my parents <laughs> right yeah. you're at a 10 i need you to bring it down to a three okay <laughs> where are you at here because... so i think that is a, a a wonderful skill to develop at such a young age uh, yeah. and i i love that y'all you mentioned that you leave yourself open to the possibility of something and i think that's where many of those um, parents fail is that they are not open to understand that their child is not going to fit the image that they've made for their child right. uh, and that's where uh, many even um, from my own parenting experience like you know being a child and being raised that some, oftentimes my parents didn't see me outside of themselves like right. yeah I might look like you but I'm not you right <laughs> like, exactly I have my own experiences I've grown to appreciate the things that you've taught me as well but at the end of the day I operate differently and if you mm. don't see that then okay like right we can have a conversation if possible so uh, i think that's a wonderful skill um uh, mm -hmm. to develop uh in right. already at such a young age yeah so let me know like i we took her to see the little mermaid and it just kills me it was hilarious um i asked her you know how did she like the movie and she turned and looked at me and literally said mommy she gave her voice up for a boy and Ooh. i was like so I don't have anything to really worry about right now. <laughs> like, she's going to be okay, but I know to keep that conversation open. At least I know she knows, like, she's not going to just give up, like, you know, her mm -hmm. talent. Or at least right now, in the mind frame that she is right now, mm -hmm. she she knows, like, all right, yeah, nah, this isn't, this isn't what it's supposed to be. Mm, yes, yes, young lady. I love it for you. Yes. <laughs> yes. She said, I'm not going to be Eric. Right. <laughs> what we're not going to do is that. Look, I don't mind being a mermaid, but to give my voice up for a motherfucker that he ain't paying my bills. Hold right. up. And I just met him. I ain't even meet him yet, for real, for real. <laughs> and she's only five. Yeah, right? she's only five. Yeah, yeah, she'll be six in September. She really is five going on 23. Right! <laughs> <I love that. laughs> so cute. She really is. But yeah, I think uh, many parents, uh, any parents who are listening to this episode, I think if you are uncomfortable about sex, 
engage into that discomfort and understand mm -hmm. why what about it that you're that's make you uncomfortable uh, mm -hmm. and sometimes if it is something that is like uh, traumatically based you have to address that so that you can be helpful to your child in in the uh in their process of understanding mm -hmm. their sexuality because uh, many of us don't realize that the teachings that we received as children most definitely if it relates to covering yourself up and all this other stuff is from people who uh, are acting out of trauma response yeah mm -hmm. and i know like parents always want to be like you know you're asking um earlier if there's any like resources or like things that um they can like go to but i think even if you don't know like as a parent if your child comes up to you and they're like you know i think i'm you know insert here <laughs> Um, I think a beautiful thing is even if you don't know right now, you're not prepared, you don't know where to go for resources. A beautiful thing is just to look like research it together. Be like, mm -hmm. I don't know what that means right now, but you know, I'm happy to go through this with you and figure it out and figure out, you know, what this means for you and for our family mm -hmm. and whatever, you know, mm -hmm. right. so just because you I'm don't know right that. now doesn't mean you can't. Hmm? Right. I said, I'm going to use that, especially when she gets older. Yeah. And I don't know certain things. I never thought about it from that perspective. Yeah, look at that. Look at that. Right. <laughs> right. May not be a parent, but I have something to say. <laughs> no, that's, that's a really, really good tip for real. And I think, I think it would definitely make the parent more comfortable and the kids more comfortable and make them feel like, okay, so now I'm going to open up to you more because I know that we're going to look this up together. And I'm not necessarily just going through this by myself because you just brushed me off. Yeah. yeah. Be, it can be kind of scary, you know, mm -hmm. like, you know, because uh, for us, oh, I don't know if you're, are you a millennial like we are? Mm -hmm. <laughs> okay. Because like, you know, for uh, yeah. I'm a 90s baby. <laughs> Sorry, I want to expose the age, but, you know, for us growing up, like it was just LGBT right right now there's a q and an i and a and now there's a plus you know <laughs> so it's like what does that mean what are these extra letters you know let's right. figure it out let's figure it out together well today right. i i just learned of something new which was uh omnisexual and scoliosexual i cannot tell you in detail exactly what those are because it's still very new to me so Scolio, i've like heard of omni but i haven't heard the scol the scrolly scoliosexual scolio Mm -hmm. Okay, I haven't heard of that one, but oh, I have okay. heard of Omni. Write yeah, that down. I've right. Never, I've Very never interesting. Heard of that. Like, I, you learn new things. Right. <laughs> For somebody who's been deep into sexuality all this time, I'm still learning too. So, like, right. there's a level of ignorance that people have to be welcome and open to when it mm -hmm. comes to these spaces because we don't know everything. Right. And, um, and I think that helps. And I, like, truly, that was the best advice um, to give. To it somebody. really was. I remember a friend of mine, he reached out to me uh, and he didn't know exactly what he should do because his child reached out to him saying that he thinks that he's gay. And mm. uh, to him, he was like, Vernon, I don't know how to approach this um, because internally I want to um, say um, that he doesn't know what he's talking about. But at the same mm. time, 
I, he felt as though that he knew that his son knew exactly what he was talking about. He just didn't know how to have the conversation. So right. he, he did the best thing that he knew at the moment, which was let me contact Bernie because this nigga might know. So I told him. <laughs> I'll circle like, back to you. Right? <laughs> right. Shout out so, to the podcast. Right. So uh, I, t- <laughs> I told him, well, first, your approach to it is reasonable because you understand what this world is. You understand like how negatively uh, people will approach your child solely because of their sexual expression and what they mentioned to you. So you're acting out of reaction, out of protection. So that's understandable, but you have to recognize that that's on you. But you also have to be open to understanding exactly what your child is saying, because um, the kid only mentioned that, oh, I think I like boys. So does that mean do do they actually like boys, like playing with them and, you know, enjoying time with them, having a good time or are they attracted to boys? This mm-hmm. can be something that they already know. It may be something that develops in time. It may be something that changed. You may end up being bisexual, but to try your best not to fully sexualize your child as this is who they are as a sexual identity, but let them create that comfort zone for them at first so that they can be feel comfortable with you while you work on yourself to unravel that first response of wanting to shut that down. Because again, that's one of those trauma responses. Um, and then on top of that, I get sent out like a book that I, I didn't read it myself, but it was one of those things I found over the years. And I was like, try this book, see how that helps and see how that can build that conversation between you two. Mm-hmm. And so far, haven't heard anything bad. So, you know, life is good. But like things like that happens. So like if you find yourself in those situations, you reach out to somebody who knows as well as like Melissa said, research it with your child. Mm-hmm. Try not to immediately go into the trauma response of trying to protect them from the from reality. Because at the end of the day, if that's who they are, that's going to be who they are. And they need to have at least a safe space to always return home to. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, um, a question that was sent um, in the makings of this episode um, that I found really fascinating and I want to love y'all's perspective on it. And it's our children, our children today, less or more confused or misinformed about sex compared to older generations. Our children less or more confused slash misinformed about sex compared to older generations. That's a hard question because like, I feel like there's so much information out there with like the internet, social media. So to a point, yeah, they're probably more informed. Or what's the question? Less or more confused? Yeah, less or more. So I feel like they're more confused because of the additional, like, you know, the Omni Scolio, all these other stuff, <laughs> like trying to figure things out. Whereas the older generation, they were very black and white. But now that we're more open, people are more open sexually, they're discovering themselves, discovering like, you know what they're into what they're attracted to and all that stuff it's like it i feel like it is confusing because children mm-hmm. didn't really learn about sex necessarily until like you know grade school maybe when they talk about it unless they're in a home where it's more open mm-hmm. you know what i mean mm-hmm. yeah <clears throat> i think i, I have know. to agree 
Um, especially because labels is is a thing for kids and basically for almost for everybody. And even me, like me and Brendan had the discussion of me um, figuring out that I am bisexual. It came down to like, there's so many labels, like what do I fit under? Like what category do I go into? And I think that's really what confuses people uh, nowadays because they're trying to fit into a label um, just to fit into something. And back then, I think older generation, it it was it was frowned upon. So it really wasn't like, oh, I'm this, I'm this, I'm this. Like you said, it was more black and white. Like you know, either you're straight or you know you're gay or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I think that now, uh, especially with media and everything and everybody putting it out in the media. And people are like, you know, especially when it comes down to like maybe boy and girl restrooms and different things like that. Number one, I feel like it's being like really, really kind of, I don't want to say forced, but it's being put into younger schools where people aren't really sure what it is. Like they understand like their girl or boy. Um, So I feel like, now it's like okay i know that i'm a boy but i feel like a like i know that i'm also a girl because i'm experiencing these feelings where do i go and media can give you all of these tools and stuff like that but when you go back home where you might not have that education or you may not have that freedom you're like all right i know that i'm this but i can't you know be like this at home so it, it creates that level of confusion, that rebellion and, mm-hmm. you know, anxiety and the depression because it's like, it's being, I know that it's okay, but I also know that it's not okay. And I don't really know, you know, what to do or who to talk to, you know, in that kind of sense. So I think it is a little bit more confusing, especially for younger kids. I'm going to say like maybe middle school is, under especially like within those you know groups of kids yeah high school you might have that confusion but you have a little bit more of an understanding or you might have a little bit you know you have somebody outside of your family that you might be able to you know Mm -hmm. talk to a little bit more feel more developed right Right. you're learning more about yourself as you get older whereas a Mm -hmm. kid you're like you're a kid you don't mm-hmm. you still haven't figured out yourself your brain isn't fully developed yet right you know, there's still a lot of questions and then you're constantly being bombar- bombarded with by like media and social media and you know your mm-hmm. family's telling you this thing but then social media is telling you this thing and then your friends are telling you this thing right it's mm-hmm. like where do i turn to where mm-hmm. what's the answer that i and you know people are looking for that yes or no answer yeah i think so it's and that's going to create even more of the confusion to do because it's like I I know but I want that validation from somebody that I feel like it's credible for me mm. you know for me I feel like in terms of like sexual identity uh, a lot of the youth 
um, they're able to identify themselves a lot easier and um, mm -hmm. they don't lack that confusion on that part. But when it comes to sexual expression and how to interact and mm -hmm. uh, have these pertinent sexual conversations with their partner is com uh, completely confusing because they are they are less um, they receive less of that education than the older generations have because mm -hmm. over the years sex ed has um, gotten dimmed down to so much as we progress depending on where you are within this country um, mm -hmm. but it's just oh, been um, because they're not exposed to as much uh, of the information or of like condom usage or uh, what pleasure is and seeking pleasure with your partners. It's a lot of confusing uh, information that they're receiving, as well as the uh, ideology that you do find in um, media. Uh, uh, like that makes them a lot more misinformed too. So like uh, even within conversations I've had with some of my um, younger cousins <laughs> about mm -hmm. uh, one of my cousins, he literally told me, oh yeah, there's a war against men and you can't even look at women without being called uh, uh, not a pedophile, but um, uh, a rapist. I was like, that's not true. <laughs> Where did you wow. get that from? Like oh. now we have to have a conversation because what the fuck are you listening to, watching, reading? Because this is not it. Like you can look at people, you can look at women, you you can do these things. Now, if you make somebody uncomfortable by touching them, um, disrespecting their boundaries, and just say, fuck your consent, now we have a different conversation. Then yes, you d definitely are a racist. I'm not racist, a rapist. But if you're just mm -hmm. walking in the hallway and you just lock eyes with somebody, no, you did not sexually assault this person. Like, who told you this? Right. So like, on that level, they are fully misinformed about a lot of things. Uh, and I will have to have that onus on the older generation for making it such. But in terms of who they are as a sexual being, like I'm bisexual, I'm queer, I'm trans, I'm um, gender non-binary. That generation, the younger generation, they're just like, bitch, I've been knowing who I was. Why are you late? <laughs> <laughs> And uh, the older generations, of course, those who are within the queer community, they just like, yeah, I know who I am. And it's kind of like a solid thing. Um, mm -hmm. But outside of the queer spaces, the older generation is failing on recognizing sexual identity. And that's, that's where I see it. Right. Yeah. So another thing, um, <laughs> sex education. So do you... Do, what do you think the impact of uh, sex education is on our youth and who they are, well, who who they develop in for their future selves? Like, even mm. when it comes to Ari, when you think about her uh, learning about sex ed in school or even how you uh, end up having that conversation uh, with, with her, how do you think that will help her in her development? Um, hmm. I think... Okay, so that's a great question. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's a hard one. Right. It really is. Because um, it depends on what they teach, you know, because she's only mm -hmm. five. Mm -hmm. So by the time it's time for sex ed, which is like, what, sixth, fifth mm -hmm. grade, something like that. Like, yeah, I, yeah, I didn't get that information until middle school. So yeah. I don't really know what 
when they really teach it. Um, what would you uh, want her to learn, I guess, from school? Well, I, well, I'm a firm believer in the comprehensive approach. Um, mm. At least with this age, they're mostly focusing on consent and mm. uh, understanding that people are different. Um, mm -hmm. That can be, oh, this family structure that includes two dads, this one has two moms, this one have two individuals who are non-binary uh, and they can express what that means. Um, this person may have um, a parental units or a guardianship of grandparents rather than their actual parents because, you know, just recognizing mm -hmm. that there's different ways that families look, um, but they don't really talk about engaging in anything with contraception until like middle school and stuff like that. Okay. Right. I think starting off that's good, even possibly like the anatomy. Because mm -hmm. um, kids recognize parts too. Um, so I think at least like the anatomy of it now would be helpful um, for it. As far, as far as growing up in the contraception and stuff like that, um, I I don't know if that really works. I think it really depends like on the parenting and stuff at home too, because you can tell your kid all day. Like I, I've been in school with kids, you know, that we've taken the sex education class, but then like, you know, by the end of the year, they're pregnant. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like yeah. <laughs> you know about it, but you still didn't make that decision. And then I have to act like, all right, you know, did your parents reinforce it? Did, you know, like, there's other things that'll make a kid like, you know, like I want a kid now and stuff like that. Um, that'll just make them make those choices anyway. But at least now, um, I think studying the anatomy, how families, the different makeup of families, um, and different things like that. I think that's beneficial for right now. Um, everything else, um, I'm not sure. I haven't thought that far in my thought process, but I would, I would think that, like, you know, leave that part mainly for like the parents, like you know, teaching the contraception and stuff. Um, I feel like the parents could go a little bit more into detail and really fully grasp information better than it coming from like the teacher or something like that i don't know <laughs> <laughs> it's rough because it's like yeah because school is hard especially public school because you get people from different backgrounds different cultural backgrounds religious mm -hmm. and like you know, it's not a one size, well, like, how do you create a one size fits all? Because, you know, there's some people who don't believe in sex before marriage. There's some mm -hmm. people who are like, you know, um, don't even like believe in masturbation or like, you know, just stuff like that. So it's like, how do you create one that fits all societies, all cultures, all backgrounds mm -hmm. um, that's beneficial for the kid, you know, because for me, like, at least like I would have liked to be taught, been taught more about the anatomy, like I was telling you some in our one of our episodes, like part of our sex ed was like our teacher gave us an envelope full of just like images of genitalia with like STDs and STIs and whatever. Mm -hmm. And I'm assuming it's, it's to be a scare tactic, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> also, like more than half the class probably already had sex. 
<laughs> so they're like, <laughs> whatever, okay. Right. Been there, done that. Yeah. <laughs> no, but that's real. Um, like, I think uh, when it comes to those conversations, um, like, it is important for children to know the anatomy, proper names and all of that, know about consent. Uh, and I really do think that parents do have that role that they need to perform for their children to educate them on the differences in um, like contraception and utilizing that because it's not enough to say don't get pregnant uh, or make sure you right. use these things when you yourself also push that message that, oh, well, it doesn't feel as good <laughs> if you mm -hmm. use a condom. Um, um, so it's like there's a, a level of having honest conversations with children and young adults to let them know, hey, you're going to have these urges. You're going to want to engage in these um, sexual like experiences with uh, other people. And when you do that, I, one, I want you to have feel comfortable enough to have a conversation with me that you're planning on being sexually active so that i'm aware that this is something that you're looking to do and then we can also reinforce those the need for contraception talk about hey look i know it may feel or seem easy raising you but listen motherfucker it is not so <laughs> Think about who you are and what we've been doing for the last 16, 17, 18 years. Do you want to experience that as well? Like, just be real with me right now. If you don't, please, 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 please use contraception. This is not me saying that I didn't want you as a child. You right. are a miracle. <laughs> right. But I but, just want you to live a little bit, you know. Enjoy life. Be able right. to be out here doing the things that your dad was doing at, at your right. age. And look, once you find the podcast that I started. <laughs> you, Period. And you just you like, oh, that was a hoe. <laughs> so look. I want you to experience the great things that uh, life can bring. So in order for you to do that, you might want to ensure that you don't have that distraction or those things to keep you from moving forward. Because right. if you don't have those resources, yeah, I'm gonna make sure my grandchild is taken care of, but I don't give a damn about you because you was doing grown folks things. I'm gonna treat you like an adult. Right, my, my, exactly. my baby gonna have all the food in the world. You might not go hungry, but I'm not paying your rent. <laughs> now you got some responsibility but like you know just being real um mm -hmm. but a lot more a lot of children need those honest conversations that reinforce the importance of um taking safe sexual practices being mm -hmm. mindful of who they engage with and establishing trust and even ensuring that the person that they about to lay down with is going to provide pleasure because what we're not going to do <laughs> Listen, <laughs> wouldn't that be tragic? Like, <laughs> look, let me find out. I have a child and their sexual experience with that baby daddy, baby mom was mediocre. I'm going to be on them all the fucking time. So you mean to tell me I have a whole ass grandchild and you did not receive good sex? Is that what you tell me? <laughs> I am upset. <laughs> so all that you brought me is a whole ass grandchild and you got no pleasure in it right i feel sometimes no, i need you to go outside and find <laughs> <laughs> to understand what it is <laughs> wrap it up next time 
Oh, <laughs> oh god. Oh, that would be tragic. So tragic. Like, oh, mm-mm. I, I, I don't know if I've said it on the podcast or not, but I'm a firm believer that parents who've uh, engaged in like sex and, and it was very bad, like very mediocre sex with their partner, and that's what conceived their child, they resent that child every single day because you did not, you were not brought into this world from a pleasurable experience. Like, how dare you? <laughs> become developed out of mediocre sex what the fuck is you like i'm screaming (laughs) not even their fault (laughs) they're gonna look at you like "Uh, i'm sorry (laughs) isn't that something you need to talk to dad about like what like or talk to mom about like what? <laughs> Why was like, he please just sign my field trip slip so I can. <laughs> <laughs> I just came here for you to sign this paper. That's all. That's all. That's all. <laughs> Look, walk into every meeting with the parents. Here's a slip for a therapist. Right. <laughs> Not this from school with my report card. Right. Here you go. Now the kid is like, oh no, I got to be better than my pops now. <laughs> <laughs> passive aggressive as fuck i love it yes if you if you are somehow a child listening to this podcast and you're at this point in the show if your parents need um therapy on those progress reports bring the therapy slip with you hand it to them like this is something that somebody told me about i don't know what it's about i don't know i can read right here's a better help brochure Here's a discount too. I don't know who gave it to me. I just found it on the street. Oh God. They just said bring it to you. So I did. (laughs) Don't say I never brought you anything. Exactly. (laughs) So before we wrap up this episode, um, one of the things I wanted to touch base on is uh, the concept that parenting means nurturing. And uh, also, um, what did we want as a child? Well, what is it that we wanted to uh, receive from our parents as it relates to sex ed uh, when we were children? So that's going to be the last two things. So let's go off of that. (laughs) Okay. Hmm. What did you want as a child? You know, honestly, like, this kind of goes back to what we were talking about, like sex education stuff and coming from the parent. So my background my parents basically said don't have sex you know don't have children because my older sister was 16 and then my other sister was 18 and then i'm the last girl and they're just like don't mess up like your sisters basically (laughs) that's my whole spiel that i got from my dad um but like and my parents are also religious um my dad came from like a catholic background and my mom's christian and like what I would have wanted, like I understand that they have their values and their relig- religious values, but it would have been nice instead of having the scare tactic, but be like, sit me down, be like, hey, you know, these are our values. This is why. Because I know for like my church, at least, you know, they don't they don't have premarital sex, but it it could have come from a place of care and love right like you could have been like you know we value this because you know we see the woman's body as a sacred vessel that should be saved for the person that they Mm want to spend the rest of their life with versus 
don't get pregnant like your sisters you know <laughs> like it's two completely right. different things right so like i feel like you know a lot of people who are scared to talk about it or don't want to talk about it or is a taboo tend to come from religious backgrounds but there's still a way to talk about sex and still have your values you know what mm. i mean mm. um and like you can't say also from a religious thing like that sex is evil sex is bad because you had to have it to have me you right know? so you through like for you to say that's evil and bad makes it sound like well i came from a product of evil because you guys mm. had sex to have me like you know mm-hmm. it's like what a kid could be thinking of but if it came from a loving you know aspect then it's i guess it'd be easier more understanding and i would be more inclined to you know listen to my parents or you know something like that right i definitely agree with the same thing um I wish that I was able to talk to my mom more freely about sex um, to be more educated instead of being afraid to have those conversations. Um, Because when you do put it like, don't have sex because, you know, it doesn't really, it just instills fear. It doesn't teach me Mm -hmm. anything. Um, And I... I'm not too much from a religious background. However, um, with, you know, studying my spirituality and everything like that, I now understand, you know, the concepts of be careful who you lay with because of who they've laid with before or um, spiritually, like what kinds of like demons or kinds of things that they're dealing with because they do, um, you know, energy does transfer and you can pick up um certain things like even somebody who may be dealing with depression like you know it's easy for you to pick up on their depression as well so i think more of a educational standpoint or putting it in a way that we understand versus all right i'm just gonna be scared because i don't want the consequences of what you might dish out back to me if I do these things, like really help me understand and let's get to the meat and the bones of why right now as a child or right now in the, well, not as a child, I hope not as a child, but like teenage years and going into like young adulthood and stuff like that, um, it'll be more comfortable. And now I'm looking at, you know, different people that I might encounter and like, yeah, I'm not going to go that route, you know. I think it'll it'll be a lot more easier and more comfortable for you know the child or you know whoever the um, you know well the child mm-hmm. it'll be a lot more easier for them. Mm-hmm. Plus, yeah. if you're like if you're like me as a kid too, the more someone tells me not to do something, the more I want to do it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, so. yes, absolutely. Yes, exactly. <laughs> And I know uh, for myself, the one uh, I would say I would have uh, appreciated just a more open and loving conversation as well, um, just to be like, okay, these are some some things that I don't get. It's not that it's something bad. It's just I don't understand it. Or mm-hmm. just having that space uh, free to have these conversations without double standards. Uh, because um, most definitely with me being a, a, a guy, 
um, there was a lot of, you know, permission of for me to be like out there and having sex with all these women, I guess, and mm-hmm. um, having those kind of conversations, but then still telling me that women have to be like prudes, essentially. And I'm like, the double standards itself just doesn't make sense to me. But also we're having the wrong conversations because I also have an attraction to guys, too. So like, how can we have this conversation uh, in a healthy way if we're not going to talk about it fully and be honest with it and just uh, have an open and safe space for correction on both ends. And I think Mm -hmm. that's the one thing I really wanted is to be able to uh, have a voice in the conversations uh, Mm -hmm. and not feel as though if I were to say something um, that doesn't fit the norm uh, within whichever space that could have been, be it with uncles, older cousins, my mom, my dad, or what have you, that it would not have been an issue if I were to raise a question that does not fit fit the norm. So <clears throat> that would have been the thing that I would have appreciated the most as a young young child. Um, but, Definitely oh. the voice, for sure. Mm, yeah. Um, and um, the last thing, the concept of parenting means nurturing. How do you feel about that? Um, I absolutely agree. Um, I think with the absence of a nurturing parent, um, you know, that leads to a cycle that now your kids are going to go through and their kids are going to go through because your kids don't know how to display it. They don't know how to display the nurturing aspects because they don't see it from the parent. And although they may get it from like, you know, their friends or a friend's parent, it's still going to cause some sort of confusion and some sort of, you know, rebellion because it's like, you can give me, like my friend's parents can give me that nurturing aspect, but my own family can't. Mm. Um, so I think it's very, very important to nurture, especially if you're worried about your child's behavior and stuff like that. You have to look at yourself to make sure that you're doing everything that you can to prevent these behaviors or correct these behaviors and know that it won't be like a future problem where it won't continue to trickle down the line for the future. 100%. You got anything you want to add on that, Melissa? Nope. You got it. (laughs) (laughs) You said what needed to be said and I agree with you. So on that note, um, thank both of you, Nini and Melissa, for coming on to the podcast to have this conversation with me. I greatly appreciate all of you, Uh, well, both of you. I'm I'm speaking like there's more than two people. There's numbers and words for these things. Uh, to the audience out there, thank you all so much for listening to the Whole Little Wee podcast where we step out and speak on sexuality. Uh, just in case no one else told you this today, you are beautiful. You are worthy of happiness and joy. You are enough and then some. You may not live up to the expectations of others, but that is okay. You are only required to walk in your own shoes. May each day you live lead you towards abundance. With that said, love you all and see you next episode. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Holiloquy Podcast, where we step out and speak on sexuality. You can subscribe to the podcast through your favorite podcasting app and find us on the web at www.holiloquy.com. That's www.h-e-a-u-x-l-i-l-o-q-u-y.com. Share the podcast with your friends and join the conversation.